Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Mining Stock Daily. Another corporate update. Welcoming back Frederick Bell, CEO of Elemental Altus Royalties. They trade on the Venture Exchange with ELE and on the OTCQX with ELEMF. The company put out their first quarter financials last week with a record revenue of $2.8 million. That's up 28% compared to Q1 of last year, Uh, but there's a number of reasons for that, which uh, many listeners of the podcast will understand. So, Fred, welcome back to the pod and congratulations on uh, another record Q1. Hi, Trevor. Thank you for having us. And I think maybe just one um, important addition to that Q1 revenue number is the adjusted revenue number of 3.8 million. And that's US 3.8 million. And and the reason we have an adjusted number is because uh, the structure of one of the royalties is held through a vehicle that effectively treats it as dividend income. Um, So so we have to to record it differently. But uh, it's effectively 3.8 million in um, royalty revenue in Q1. That's that's up 74% compared to Q1 last year. So, yeah, and I think that's 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 yeah that's the main um, driver. And, and look, we've we've been talking for a while about how uh, yeah, twenty eighteen was a record year of revenue. Twenty nineteen was a record year of revenue. Twenty 2020, twenty, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two was another record year of royalty revenue, and we expect twenty three to be the same. So every year we've gone has been a record. Uh, Q one, um, I think, uh, was record revenue, um, record adjusted revenue, and record gold equivalent ounces. And, and the reason we have the gold equivalent ounces is even if the gold price had never moved from where it was, it would still be a record. But with the increase in, in gold price as well over the last few years and increase in geos, um, it, it's, a, it's a multiplier effect. And um, I think this year uh, we should really start to see that margin expansion come through, um, which is when your relatively fixed costs and your revenue is increasing. And, um, and so for every additional dollar of revenue we're getting now, um, more of that is flowing through to the bottom line than has been the case ever before. Uh, you know, it, it could be understandable why this is all happening. Elemental, even in its early, you know, before it was Elemental Altus, it's not that old of a company. And But you have been working very diligently to expand that portfolio. You obviously did the merger with Altus Royalties, now Elemental Altus. There's been a number of deals done even since then. So you really are progressing at an, I, maybe some could argue an expedited pace here, Fred. So maybe just as this is, continues to move forward, that it is not should not be a surprise that each quarter is a record on a record on a record. Uh, you know, but I guess the question is, I mean, that's obviously the goal of a royalty company. What is maybe the challenges that the company has faced here in, you know, short mid-tier time frame? Uh, look, I think the, the, the one of the big uh, challenges last year was the amount of corporate activity. Um, some of that unexpected, some of it expected. Um, for those who, who don't know, we were we were subject to a unsolicited takeover um, bid. Uh, it wasn't popular. Ninety nine percent of shareholders said no, um, but that did have uh, a number of sort of call it four or five months timeline on it. Um, six months from start to finish, but um, four or five months of sort of very uh, intense work on it. And, and then following that, we did a cross-border merger um, with Alta Strategies in the UK. And, and that had a couple of months on it in terms of um, merging the companies going through the takeover panel in the UK. So I think um, yeah, last year has certainly been heavy on the corporate front. Um, and that's been, uh, that's been a challenge in terms of 
a lot of one-off costs when you're merging a company. Um, legal fees, um, advisor fees, uh, particularly cross-border tax and structure, structuring. So um, I think a challenge has been bandwidth. And um, when you put the two companies together, um, there's some uh, synergies in terms of rationalizing the corporate structure. You don't need as many corporate entities in terms of getting your, it's the things that people often don't see, getting your auditors up to speed on the combined business um, and, and doing a lot of things um, sort of as a team for the first time. So there's certainly been um, in the last year, a lot of work behind the scenes on the less glamorous parts. Um, I think um, really building it out. And I think the positive of that is that we now have an internal team that is much stronger, uh, more experienced than it's ever been in the past. So we can do an awful lot more internally than we could have done previously. And that's one of the key benefits. Uh, a number of your assets within your royalty portfolio, you know, did outperform more, you know, outperform from the same time last year. At Car- Carla Winda continues to be a very key asset. Wang Nyan continues to be a very key asset for you. Uh, but there's a number of other revenue that just wasn't there last year, which leading up to these numbers. Uh, but let's talk about uh, Pickle Crow if we can, because that it, it appears like that would be the next late stage project that potentially could start paying revenue into the company. What is the time frame for Pickle Crow as we know right now? Well, I suppose they haven't put a specific timeline on it, but I think the analogy is that it's a core management team who took Bellevue in Australia, um, took it from a previous Brownfields mine. um, And I think in five years, they grew the resource and they took it into production, which in today's timeframe, to take a project um, in five years from resource expansion and drilling and exploration into production uh, is is phenomenally successful. Um, And they came and and really invested in Pickle Crow because they saw an analogy in Canada there. Uh, It's one of the highest grade former gold mines in Canada. Um, They've taken resource, I think, from uh, 800,000 ounces uh, three years ago uh, to, they just increased it recently to 2.8 million ounces. Um, so they've done the first part of that, which is really, really growing the resource multiple times. And so I think we're looking forward to seeing uh, development from there going forward over the rest of this year. Um, but that, 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 that's uh, a royalty we actually picked up an additional um, royalty on. So, so we bought one from one party and we bought another from another third party. It was actually a delisted uh, oil and gas company. Um, and uh, they had a legacy royalty from a long time ago um, on on the, on the project, which for us really attractive. We've done the work um, and and a sensible, um, I think, very good price that made sense as well for us. Uh, would love to get your sense of where we're at with uh, finance capital financing to build these projects. It's interesting because even in this very volatile. Uh, higher interest rate environment lately it does seem like people are willing to start allocating capital to the construction of mines um do you feel like that maybe is i mean am i wrong to feel that way that maybe things are loosening up a little bit and people are more willing to finance these builds or is it still pretty dang tight out there fred uh i i think it's 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 you need the right management team and track record is obviously incredibly important and helpful. And um, uh, fundamentally, 
a good solid asset that is robust through the cycles. And um, yeah, there's been a, a lot of inflation in, in the cost of goods and feasibility studies that were done three years ago probably all need to be updated today. So there is some cost and work that goes into that. And you need to have the confidence of investors and you need ultimately to build a mind like that. You need institutional investors who can write large checks to get it over the line. And part of the reason why Orteco's Pickle Crow was a particularly attractive royalty for us. It was a management team who have done that very, very well, very successfully for shareholders in Australia. And the share register was really strong um, and still is in, in Orteco. And, and look, that's part of what we look at when we're looking for a royalty. It's not just the expiration optionality and upside, and they've already added half a million ounces um, in the in the sort of couple of months since we've owned the royalty. Um, but it's also, if they get the resource and they get the project, can they go out and raise the one to $200 million it will cost in today's world to bring that mine into production? And so we look at the share register. We say, does it have the institutional backing and shareholders and management team and track record to be able to take it to the next stage? And um, you know, Orteco did for us. And that was one of the reasons where it, it was sort of made sense from all three levels, from the exploration upside perspective, from the management credibility, you know, ability to progress the project through the down cycles. And also, ultimately, you know, is it a sensible price for us to do a deal at? And it ticked all of those boxes. Uh, you know, you and I have always talked for the last couple of years about how competitive these royalties have become. Uh, and just what is Elemental Altus's approach to maybe the maybe getting a a leg up from that competition? Where are you looking, or what are you looking for that maybe? Uh, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not asking you to spill all the beans here, Fred, but you know, what is something that you're doing to really get a leg up in this competitive nature of the uh, of the metals royalty space? So I think focus maybe on three angles. Um, and one of those we've demonstrated a lot throughout the history of the company. And that is going out and sourcing deals ourselves and doing them bilaterally with counterparties uh, where it's a sensible deal for both sides. And if you look at where we started, our first royalty on Quale, we paid $900,000, $950,000 for. I think it's repaid us $2.4 million to date. Uh, the royalty we bought on Mount Pleasant. Also in 2017, we paid $500,000 for it's repaid us $400,000 today, and probably a $1.5 million valuation on it NAV consensus today. Um, uh, there's a number at Amankaya, more than 100% repaid. And because we go through the list, and we can ostensibly and demonstrably show that these were really good value deals because we went out and we found the project, the royalty that we liked, and we spoke to the owner. And if a deal could be done, that could give them value for something that was probably non-core. Um, that made a lot of sense. We could do it. So that's one route. Um, and it's hard work. It's much easier to be in your office and have deals brought to you and um, sit at the desk. It's, it's, it's much harder to go out and look at 100 projects and 98 of them won't work. And um, of the two that you want to do, one of them doesn't want to sell <laughs> and only one does. So that's the harder work, but it can generate the better returns. But the other two angles... And we've, we've done um, one of these already as well. The other, so the second angle is talking to existing royalty owners and saying, look, you believe in the quality and the value of your royalty and the optionality it has. We have a portfolio of similarly high quality assets 
And if you put it into us, you can take some cash off the table, but you can retain exposure through your equity and you can diversify your exposure into all these other assets. And that worked when we bought the Wang Yong royalty, um, which was a really good high quality asset. And the vendors all took equity in us um, and all retain, uh, remain material shareholders in us. And that was for the rationale that they could see that it was a good asset. They could see the expiration upside and they wanted to retain some exposure and they could see the value it would add to us. And, and that argument only really works when you have a good quality portfolio allied to a good quality acquisition. Mm-hmm. If we have a basket of early stage expiration royalties and we go to somebody with a producing asset, the chances are they'll probably be less inclined to dilute their producing asset by taking equity in us. And we saw that again when we listed with South 32 and um, their portfolio, they became biggest shareholders 19% again. Um, because they could see the value growth there. And um, the biggest royalty in that portfolio, Carla Winder, um, I think has already had one reserve and resource update since it came into production at the end of 21. And they've guided for a second reserve resource update um, in, in the second half of this year. So it's it's only just come into production. It's been top end or above guidance. Um, and it's had uh, one resource reserve increase and going for another this year. So it's it's an asset that I think will go for a long time and demonstrate a lot of value. Um, and the third angle um, to really try and get good returns, the third angle is um, where you can, I think, offer something different to the vendor. Um, and I think a previous company that was a royalty company that was listed, uh, Nomad, I think they did some very good transactions um, uh, working with the relationship they had with Orion, the fund where they were able to do an equity check alongside a royalty. Uh, we're fairly unique in that our biggest shareholder is La Mancha with over 30%, a uh, major shareholder in Endeavor Mining, top 10 gold miner globally, uh, historically a major shareholder in Evolution Mining. And they do have the ability to go out and write very large equity checks with, that not many other groups in the mining industry can do. And so I think there's the ability to work with them going forward as well. Um, to do equity alongside a royalty and get access to projects that otherwise we wouldn't get access to. If somebody's getting a $100 million equity check or a $200 million equity check, they may not need $20 or $30 million in royalty funding, but they might be open to it alongside the equity um, if, it, if, if there's an option there and a route. So I think that those, those are three angles where we, um, two of them certainly we've demonstrated repeatedly. Um, and the third one, uh, La Mancha have been a shareholder uh, since sort of uh, second half of last year, um, but hopeful going forward, so there'll be opportunities where we can work productively with them to deliver value um, for us, for them as our major shareholder, and uh, the project and the counterparty we're working with. Are those opportunities uh, currently present here, Fred, for in twenty twenty three? In in on all the three of those routes. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, uh, definitely. I think um, in terms of royalty, third-party royalty opportunities, uh, we've done more this year than we've done in the last two and a half years. So, so that is absolutely ostensibly the case. Um, in the case of the second one, um, royalty vendors, uh, it's it's always a live discussion, and I think it, a lot of it depends on the opportunity and the mm-hmm. uh, what the motivation of that royalty owner is. Because ultimately, if they want to get value for royalty they own in the next six months, it's probably better taking it in cash. If they want to retain some value and optionality, that's where you can have the discussion. So that is very much vendor dependent. 
um, more so than us, because I think we'd always like to have royalty vendors taking some equity and retaining some ownership. Um, and then the last one, again, it's it's not it's not in our control as much um, because we're working with two different groups there, um, different counterparties. Um, we would be in that scenario. So for us, it's about having as many of those options on the table and running them as many angles and running them in parallel so that we always have opportunities and then we can tailor it to the market, to the situation and where we fit. All right, very good. Uh, Fred, thanks so much for your time. Very insightful there. We're going to see how things continue to play out with Elemental. It's, you make it, you make me kind of feel like you got something up your sleeve, so we'll see if we talk again before next quarter's financials. So uh, thanks so much for your time and uh, have a good rest of your week. Thanks, Trevor. That's your update from Elemental Altus Royalties, everybody. Again, trading on the venture with ELE and MF. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.